0: Hey, metalheads, it's time once again to grab your knobs and twist them to 11. Crank it up. It's time for the Power and the Glory Heavy Metal Podcast. Hey, cheers, everybody. It is J.D. Scott. This is the Power and the Glory Heavy Metal Podcast, focusing on traditional metal. Um, You got your drink. I got my drink. Let's have a sip. What do you say? One, two, three, go. Mm. And we're going to do... episode four like i said this is part two of the split last week i got a little long in the tooth a little opinionated rammed it a little bit too much but yeah uh we're going to continue on with that with the two camps of the la sound and the thrash and the speed that started up there and i'm also going to talk about some new music news with some of the new bands maybe some of the old bands we'll see what happens there at the end and i hope you went to band camp today was may 1st they waived all their fees i hope you went and supported all the bands we'll see you in a few minutes we'll be right back Welcome, Ribbonheads! Get ready for the Power and the Glory Heavy Metal Podcast. Grab some whiskey, grab some brews, hit back and listen to this fucker ramble! Well, hello everybody. I am J.D. Scott. This is the Power and the Glory Heavy Metal Podcast, focusing on traditional metal. This is episode four. If you're coming back to listen to the second part of the split, thank you very much. If you uh, listened to the whole last episode, I apologize. <laughs> I drank too much again. And I'm going to try not to do that this week. But uh, let's have a sip right now. What do you say? Mm. Good old bourbon. But yeah, uh, I'd like to let everybody know they can find us on anchor.com. That's our homepage. You can leave us a message there if you want. You know, You can maybe leave a topic that we could discuss in the future on this podcast or maybe you want to leave your opinion or you just want to scream profanities at me that's fine too go ahead and do it (laughs) we are also on google podcasts breaker pocket casts and spotify Uh, there's also a free app that you can get for your phone or your device from anchor where you can follow us on there as well and uh yeah i'd like to Mentioned that we do this every week. I try to do this every week, and today is May first. It is Friday. I try to do them on Friday nights, but I mentioned earlier that it was uh, the day where Bandcamp waived all their fees. So hopefully you went and supported all the bands, you know, downloaded some music, maybe got some merch or that kind of thing. I, they really need it right now. Nobody's out playing live or anything like that. So, yeah, we we need to support as much as we can. This thing as looks like it's getting a little bit better, but you know, as they open up more. Of the states and let people kind of relax a little bit. I'm 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 afraid that you know it may spike again. Um, not good. You know we're doing all right here in Oregon. I can tell you that, but uh, we'd like to keep it that way. <laughs> so if you want to come to Oregon, don't <laughs> Just stay away right now, okay? Especially from California. <laughs> Fuck off, <laughs> goddamn Californians. Anyway, yeah. So we are going to continue on on part two of the split and talk a little bit more about where Speed and Thrash kind of branched off and the L.A. sound and all that, and kind of get more in-depth into that. Um, and, of course, we're going to have music news of some of the new bands and see what they're up to, and there's some pretty cool stuff, I think, going, over, going on over in Europe uh, to where they're kind of getting back but uh they're having um outdoor concerts like a drive-in like you can drive your car up and listen to the bands and stay in your car and kind of social distance that way that'd be kind of weird huh <laughs> Pull in like a drive-in and i don't know during a during a ballad do you turn your headlights on and maybe your wipers and <laughs> i don't know honk the horn that's that's kind of weird i don't know but you know hey more power to them you know maybe we could do that over here with some things i don't know uh, maybe I can dig up some stuff to see who's doing a live stream coming up or something. I don't know. We'll check it out. It's kind of off the cuff and uh, on the fly. I don't really have too much of a script this week. I usually have a loose script that I kind of glance over. And then normally I just go completely off the rails of that <laughs> and just fucking ramble. But uh, if you're a avid listener, you know that. And if you're just tuning in, you're probably going to turn it off soon. So... <laughs> Thanks for listening as long as you did. So anyway, we're going to get back into this thing. We'll get her going here in a minute. Let me go get some more whiskey and we'll be right back. Alright, hope everybody's doing well tonight, I really do. I hope you're having a good night, I know I'm having a pretty good night, it was a long week. Uh, all you essentials out there, I salute you, let's have a drink. Oh. Yeah, apparently I'm essential, still working, like 60 hours a week. Uh, yeah, they're going to work us right to that cliff, you know, <laughs> and then when the economy bottoms out, uh, I'm going to be fucked probably. Anyway, who cares, right now we got whiskey, we got metal. We got me rambling it's perfect right (laughs) all right i kind of want to pick up where we left off i know i went into uh you know that pivotal song in 82 from restless and wild by accept fast as a shark obviously that kind of was the mainstream starting point for speed metal thrash metal kind of power metal thing it was fast and furious and it was it was amazing it was great um I know a lot of people probably disagree with me on that. They're gonna go back and find some even you know harder, more underground stuff, which I, I get. But that that was you know the mainstream, you know the stuff that you heard first, and and it was it was more popular. That's the one I think, and I think a lot of people would agree with me. That was the one that pushed it right there. And I know there were a lot of uh, up and coming bands at that time that were were still in the new wobbum thing and still trying to trying to play a little faster, a little more speedy and uh, like for instance i know uh, charlie benante from anthrax when he auditioned for anthrax to impress them he played fast as a shark which is you know that's pretty cool of course we had overkill by motorhead we had the double bass but it wasn't as fast as fast as a shark and it wasn't as popular i think uh, except was at like i said pivotal right there at the right time they were coming up you know, with the Saxons and the Iron Maidens and the Judas Priest and all that. And then I know they're from Germany. They're not a new wobble band, but I think they're kind of pushed into that kind of part, that kind of era, and one of the bands that helped push that. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I think it really started to take off. Um, once you heard that, you were like, wow, okay, why isn't everybody doing this? Why isn't everybody doing more extreme metal? You know, not quite as extreme as today. Thank fucking God. That's a little too extreme, bro. <laughs> Get your pull, brother. Oh, my God. Anyway, yep. I just lost some people right there. <laughs> I don't care. That's fine. Uh, but, yeah, you know, and while that was going on, there was the whole strip scene that was going on. You know, like I mentioned last week, we had all the GIT grads and students that were, you know, way flashy killer guitar players. They were kind of following in those Randy Rhodes footsteps, who's still, to me, the greatest metal guitarist of all time. Uh, what a short span that was, but man, what he did in that short span. I know a lot of people would argue with me, uh, you know, Eddie Van Halen, which, of course, of course, Eddie Van Halen, that that was that was the, you know, that was the template for guitar slingers in L.A. at that time. Everybody aspired to be Eddie Van Halen, I mean, he ruled the strip when they played there, and, and, you know, and Randy did kind of the same thing with Quiet, right? It wasn't quite as bi- obviously, as big as as Van Halen was, but, you know, and then he went on to play with Ozzy, and that was just history from there. We all know that. But, yeah, you know, all the bands like Motley Crue, Cinderella, I mean, Cinderella was from Pennsylvania, but I think they sought out to came out to L.A. to make it, I, I remember right i'm probably wrong on that anyway <laughs> maybe oh no it was poison that came out that did that yeah uh maybe cinderella too i don't know anyway kicks they're from maryland but they had that la sound i think they came out too and tried to make it uh, of course rat all those bands wasp uh which was like i said held the candle for both roads so that last week um, and, the, the of course, the L.A. bands had the female following and droves, man. My wife, holy crap, still to this day, loves it, loves it, loves it. And uh, th- right there, that if you can get the female audience, it's – and I'm, I'm not being sexist. I'm not trying to play this off that way, but they buy records because right, they were the ones who were making the money. They had the jobs. They were supporting all the fucking us long hairs, you know. Because <laughs> we were all going to make it big one day, honey. <laughs> didn't happen. Now I have this little podcast that nobody listens to while I drink whiskey. Mm. You know, and then it got so popular that MTV even dedicated a show, The Headbangers Ball, on Saturday nights. Of course, who didn't watch that fucking show? I mean, all of us watched, you know. Saturday night, no matter where we're at, man. Turn if you got MTV, turn it on. We're watching Headbangers Ball because that's that's our music, you know. And they made that show with the intention of playing the harder bands, you know, the Fates Warning, Overkill, all that stuff, because they couldn't play it during the day. They kind of censored it a little bit, and they they wouldn't play those bands during the day. So we got to see all that Flotsam and Jetsam, all that stuff, and of course they had to pepper in the Poisons and the Cinderellas and all that to try to you know get the other market as well, which was, that's fine. It was fine with me. I, I did like the LA stuff. I did. I was not headlong into it, but you know, once I, you know, heard that first Motley Crue album, I was hooked. I'd love that. that. I To me, that's their best album. I love that album. My wife refers to it as the helium album because Vince Neil sounded like it was on helium the whole time singing that, but it, it was great. It was so raw. That album was well-written. It was raw. It was in your face. Um, it wasn't fast and furious. I get it, you know, but it was good then shout the devil came out which was more produced the songs were I think written better and it, What an album that was man track for track every song on that album just kicked fucking ass It was great and then and then theater of pain No, thanks lost me after that. I don't know. I and you know and bands do that they they tend to experiment a little bit and I, I think they went a little softer of course, they went more the pink and glam kind of l- lace thing on that album. And, and of course, I think a lot of fans dropped off when crew went that way because we were also latching on to, you know, of course, Metallica and Megadeth, all that. we You know, that's where we started to split, hence the name of this episode. But, you know. You know, most of the videos back then, too, from the L.A. scene was, you know, it made them look like they partied all the time, and it was just, you know, no limits. It, it was the 80s, you know, and everybody dug that, and people started really getting into that, eating that up big time. And the more that that went that way, the thrash speed guys went the other way. Uh, no no stage attire. It was all, you know, ripped jeans and band T-shirts that they that they liked, you know and and just kind of just like they got off work working at the garage jumped on stage started playing which was you know that appealed to a lot of people too and that's where the attitude i think started to split and and you were a poser if you were any kind of hairspray or any kind of eyeliner or uh, you know you were into the other you know the pretty boy floyds or whatever and uh, to me it was still metal it was still we were all still part of this big army is it was just we were different kind of brothers you know what i mean and uh a lot of people took it way more serious than that and really started down playing the la bands and that kind of sound uh the thrash guys got more fast and more furious and i think it was you know even anthrax had a song uh imitation of life which you know one of the verses in it kind of made poked fun at the poisons and things like that which that was kind of cool but You could really see the split there, and and later as that music got heavier and faster, then you got more of the 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 Slayer type stuff, you know, and and it got to me. It got weird. Then it got almost too extreme. It was uh, they were really just looking for a thousand miles an hour all the time, and it was just attitude. And it was because to me, I, I'm i not a Slayer fan. And I've seen him a few times. And okay, that's blasphemous. I know people are bagging on me right now that, oh my God, you're not a Slayer fan. No, I I don't think they're that great, man. I really don't. Um, longevity wise, yeah. I mean, and it's because of their fans. I mean, they have the most rabid fans, they have the most obnoxious fucking fans. But <laughs> they. Most Slayer fans scream Slayer just to scream Slayer. I believe, uh, but they had their place. They were great, uh, but they're way better thrash bands. They're way better speed bands than than Slayer, in my opinion. I mean, uh, Exodus, of course, I believe is better than Slayer. Testament, uh, their new stuff that just came out was is still good. I, what happened to Chuck Billy? Oh, well, he used to could sing. I don't know. Um, I, I dig the new stuff, but it's it's. I don't know what happened there with the vocals. And uh of course Overkill, I'm a huge Overkill fan. Uh Anthrax had the best of both worlds with the thrash and the speed and Joey Belladonna on the vocals, you know. He he could have sang for a power metal band. I mean, he's got a a Journey cover band now that he he can nail it too. It's really good. But it it that whole that whole scene right then with you know, it was nothing but those guys, man. You know, no life to leather, you know metallica megadeth anthrax slayer testament overkill and it just got harder and harder and harder i mean and then you get onto the corner and the rigor mortis and it just getting harder and harder and faster and faster and it, it, it kind of got shitty there for a while um you know then you get start getting into sacred reich and all that kind of stuff which which was great, but it was it almost turned into background music at some point. It was just attitude for Kagers, you know. <laughs> still great, but it just I that's why I still kind of split. I like both and I liked I just like both formats of music. Really dug it a lot. Yeah, and yeah, I paused there for a second, sorry. <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom. But yeah, I didn't want to do too many breaks of the show. But yeah, um, and at the time, you know, of course, L.A. was just killing it with Rat and Motley Crue, of course, Wasp. You know, and that whole that whole subgenre, that side of it, uh, was really getting really getting big, taking ahead of steam. I mean, Cinderella, you know, by the end of the the eighties, Skid Row had come in, which is a great band, super great band. I wish. I wish the original lineup would get back together and bury the hatchet and do some stuff. I mean, I know a lot of people think Sebastian Bach's kind of a fucking loudmouth douche, but, you know, coming from one loudmouth douche to another, <laughs> I think he's all right. I don't know. I think the guy is a huge music fan and and is kind of a, a diva perfectionist a little bit, I guess. But that band just was, did so well with him. And without him, it's just, it's, it's, not, it's not Skid Row. <laughs> I mean, it is, but it's just I don't know I wish they'd get back together. I really do. It was great. I mean, there was a lot of bands you know that time Dangerous Toys, which is another great band. Uh, Bang Tango was good. Um, you know, a lot of good stuff. and of course, right down the middle there, uh, there were some other bands that 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 is my favorite of all time right in that seam. When they split, you got kind of this hybrid in the middle there, and it's power metal. Which, uh, man, that to me that is the true, the true form of metal. When it's evolved to that point, is perfection. And I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna push my opinion in on this part right here. The most perfect metal song of all time, to me, it's got everything. It's it's kind of long. It's very epic. Lots of guitars, you know, tasty bass, killer drums, lots of time change. Halloween, man, Keeper of the Seven Keys is the greatest song in metal. I believe it is. It's got everything you could ever want in that. It's 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 an anthem. It's a story. It's it's just power. And oh man, perfection with Kiske on vocal. I mean, just that's the greatest metal song i believe anyway i kind of digress a little bit there but yeah we get we get the beginnings of power metal there um, a few bands started pushing i mean of course face warning kind of started out that way and then they got a little heavier and then they got really progressive and their stuff now is super progressive obviously and you know when they went in the studio and 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 started doing records with terry brown who was a big rush producer i could really see i could really hear there when they were Starting to get way more progressive, which is cool, and they did it seamlessly, like Rush did. You know, they didn't go in with an abacus and try to make all these time changes and odd meters and things like that. It just happened, I think. And it, it, when you do that, it sounds natural, it sounds so much better than trying to go in there and be a math rock band, you know. But anyway, yeah, there's a lot of great power metal bands that came out between the split there for uh, us guys who are really into the true true stuff i believe and um still dug the thrash and the speed still love the la stuff but the power metal has my heart i love it um there's a lot of new power metal out today uh, some of it's really really good some of it there's a bit sappy and tries too hard a little too much dungeons and dragons you know what i mean um it's almost nerd metal. <laughs> I still appreciate it. Still like it a lot. And just sometimes it's just, I don't know. I don't quite get it. Um, it's a little too roll the dice and, you know, fight the ogre kind of stuff. But uh, and another band that helped, I think, helped with the power metal um, is Striper. I know a lot of people are not going to agree with me on that. But man, what a fucking powerful band they were. And I don't care what they're singing about those guys can fucking rock and uh, such great vocals Oz Fox on guitar. I mean, forget it. He's one of the greatest metal guitarists. I believe that boy can riff and it's just amazing stuff. Uh, agree with me or not, man. If, if you poo-poo them and uh, don't listen to them because they do sing about Jesus and things like that. Uh, just go and check them out. Seriously. Uh, Soldiers Under Command, just grab that album, throw it on. If you're a power metal fan, listen to that because it's nothing but power metal. It is amazing. It's a really great album. You can overlook the fucking God lyrics, pretend they're singing about a girl or something. I don't know. But it's fucking good stuff. Top notch stuff. Oz Fox is great on that album. It's their best album. Um, but yeah, Halloween, Striper, Fates Warning had a lot of powerful stuff. You know, Night on Brocken, all that kind of stuff was really, really fucking good and uh man and what a time to be alive though i mean with with that split right there i mean the shows you could see i saw the headbangers ball tour and what was that 88 um i think 88 89 anyway saw at Louisville gardens amazing exodus halloween and anthrax uh, great great show great show J- just a couple years before that uh, i was living uh we were living in illinois and we ran up to minneapolis And we saw uh, Halloween, Armored Saint, and Grim Reaper. And they ended up, actually, I think there's a video of that called Hell on Wheels. But, man, that venue's gone What was that, Fifth Avenue or Fifth Street? Whatever that venue was, it's gone now. I think it collapsed from all the snow or something. What a fucking shit place to live. I lived in North Dakota for a while. Fuck you, snow. I don't ever want to see snow again. But, yeah, that was a great night. If you can check that out I think that's on YouTube that was a fucking amazing night uh, all three of those bands I mean that was the shit right there I mean those three bands on that night that was that was perfection Oh, drink but yeah what a time what a time to be alive because it was splitting there was some angst there there was some rip between you know metalheads on what kind of music you listen to but it was still a great time there was so much good music coming out at that time. Uh, Maiden was fucking hitting on all cylinders. Priest was killing it. You know, Saxon was fucking killing it. All, all, you know, the Godfathers were there. They were still putting out the shit, man. I mean, you know, fucking Live After Death. I mean, it's one of the greatest fucking live albums ever. I mean, awesome. Uh, Wasp was putting out shit. I mean, their fucking live album, Live and the Raw, was killer. Man, that was a great album. Uh, had all the good songs on it, and it was just. The, man, the snare on that live album just fucking cuts. It sounds so good. I love the production on that album. Um, but I mean, that's when you could see Wasp opening for Iron Maiden. That you know, now not so much. But it that was, and people would go. They loved it. Loved both because, you know, like I said, Wasp was kind of the middle of the road guys. They could play both sides of the fence. You know, they could go and play with Cinderella, or they could go and play with fucking Iron Maiden or Slayer. You know, and they fit in fine. Wasp is was perfect for that. Uh, Blackie, what the fuck happened to you, man? Come back. You fucking weirdo. Fucking you and Chris Holmes. You need to fucking get back together and write another fucking good album. last good album by you guys was fucking Headless Children. What a fucking great album that was. That's the best album Frankie Banali's ever been on, in my opinion. He needs to fucking get back with Blackie and Chris Holmes. And, yeah, I know a lot of the guitar work was done by Bob Kulik, too, on that, and the Crimson Idol. Fuck it. Get him in the band, too. Because that was some good shit, man. That was a great, great fucking album. Love that Wasp album. It's one of their best. Besides their debut, I think it is their best. Yeah, my opinion. Sorry about that. But anyway, yeah, it got weird with the fans. And it, it kept getting more of a wedge driven into it. And as the 80s got later and almost into the 90s, I, like I brought up last week, you, get, you start getting the record companies who want these la sounding bands to get more power backs the power ballads were hitting so you had to have a fucking power ballad i mean warrant all them guys they had to have a power ballad and it just got fucking sappy and the more hairspray and the more mtvized it got it just it kind of started fucking ruining it for the mainstream metalheads i mean because the rest of the world was watching it and they thought, that's the only metal there is, right? I mean, the other other underground Slayer stuff's too heavy for me, but this stuff is just too sappy, and it got to the point where there's the Firehouse and Trickster, and it's just terrible, terrible fucking slaughter, just fucking terrible. And if that's what everybody else sees and they think that's all you got, they're also obviously going to be turned off by it. It's just too much sappiness. So, what's the answer? Huh. <laughs> Hello, Seattle. Yeah. With a fucking striped shirt, fucking garage band, goodwill buying fucking idiots. Yep, I said it. I hated the fucking 90s. Couldn't stand them. Can't stand them. Terrible music. Terrible music. What a fucking flash in the pan bullshit that was. What that last six months? was horrible. Fucking ruined everything, man. Fucking Soundgarden. Terrible. Alice in Chains, terrible. Nirvana, don't even fucking get me started. San Diego's Stone Temple Pilots, fuck that band. They were terrible. All of us. And that led into this fucking crappy-ass fucking silver chair and Better Than Ezra and Weezer and a bunch of fucking crap alternative that people thought were fucking thought-provoking. It's crap. It was all crap, and it had to be. Because it was the opposite of that fucking overproduced, glamorized fucking hairspray bullshit that fucking 13-year-old girls were fucking playing. It was terrible. But you had to have something. You had to have something to make that transition. And man, what a long fucking time. A long ass, what, 20 fucking years before anything decent came along again. Because the extreme music, the thrash and, and you know... The speed metal, it just kept getting more evolved into this fucking shit that just was horrible. You know, I hate to get all negative all of a sudden, but it was just... I mean, come on. Name a fucking guitar god in the 90s that started in the 90s. I mean, that got known in the 90s. Name a guitar god. If you say Kurt Cobain, I'm going to punch you in your fucking face. Because that guy was fucking mediocre at best. At best. Don't fucking bow down to a guy just to bow down to a guy. Just because he's fucking popular and he's dead now and fucking shrine. fucking No. Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Oh, wait. I can hear people talking. The guitar god of the 90s? Dimebag Daryl? Please. Please. No, thank you it's only because he was one of the fucking only ones who played fucking guitar solos at that time everybody else was too cool to fucking play guitar solos of course yes there were bands that played guitar solos they had killer guitar players but most of them were from the 80s they had come in during the 80s and they were still I mean yeah Sepultura and all those guys. of course. But I mean to have an actual guitar hero. In the, yeah, you've got to say Dimebag because that's all you fucking got. That's all you. Oh wait, Zach Wild. <laughs> nope. 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 Fucking what? Fourth runner up and Ozzy, whatever the hell he was. When Ozzy got Zach Wild, that band went to shit. But that's a whole nother episode. That's fucking. That's a whole Sharon Osbourne episode. But yeah, the last great guitarist that fucking Ozzy had was J.K. Lee in the case right there. Bam. That's it. I said it. Yeah. uh, Now that everybody's completely pissed off at me and turned their devices off. Sorry. The whiskey got talking right there. But yeah, that's the split. And and people are passionate about it. I know I am. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. If you're still listening, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And you're probably screaming if you are. But uh, that's my opinion. And hey, welcome to America. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had a tough time in the nineties. If you couldn't tell, had a really tough time. I did. Um, I actually stepped away from it for a little while. I couldn't find anything I could fucking listen to that was worth a shit. I mean, uh, Faith's Warning kept going. It was great. And uh, I had evolved in music taste a little bit. You know, gotten grown up a little bit. Could listen to that. But you know, thank God Rush was still around then. And and you know, Maiden was eh, putting out albums. I know a lot of people are gonna get on me for that, but Jesus, god damn, the Blaze Bailey years. Be a hipster and say you love it. <laughs> you know, if if you got to listen to the whole maiden catalog all at once, okay, sure. You can hear that evolution, but man, I felt ripped off. I'll tell you when I felt ripped off is when fucking Cliff Burton died. My God. What a fucking sad day that was. I mean, Metallica was on top of the world, man. But in the underground still. Still in the... I mean, no radio airplay. And those guys were one of the biggest fucking bands on the face of the planet. You know, no videos. No MTV support. None of that shit. And those guys were huge. And man, what a fucking flip-flop they did. And it's hard. It's hard for me to fucking sit here and tell you that I, I dug all the stuff afterwards... I I, because that that whole time left a bad taste in my mouth and I still I still have fucking anger over it because the way they flip flopped on that and became the darling of fucking MTV with that fucking stupid atrocious video off that fucking shit album and justice for all that fucking song one. What a fucking terrible song that is. What a machine gun fucking mess that fucking song is. You can't even hear the bass and everybody knows and you can't hear the bass blah 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 but swore to god they'd never make a video and they fucking make a video and it's all over mtv it's like the fucking thriller of mtv in 89 or whenever the hell that shitstorm came out and from there i just man i lost so much respect for them it's like the album was mixed if you were a fan of hip-hop or something it was terrible and from there, it was just what happened. And and they're still huge, which I'm, I'm, you know, the last job wasn't bad. It was all right, but it's just they've become this giant fucking monster, this just corporation almost, almost as bad as Kiss. And you know, people feel like oh, they either there are us fans who stopped at Master of Puppets. That was it. We were done because everything else after that, and there are some guys that did not give them a chance after that, would not, they refused to listen. I listened, I went, and I, with an open mind and everything, man, the Black Album's a great album, if it wasn't Metallica. And more power to bands that try different things, and, and kind of branch out, and kind of get a little more commercial, and want to get more radio airplay, that, that's, that's good, that's, that's your evolution, that's your evolution, man, that's cool, not for me, I'm... And I'm not trying to say that to sound cool or hip, or anything like that, or just to be against the norm or whatever. It just I didn't like it. It was it was you know great. It was Radio Airplay fine, but it was not the metal, not the Metallica that I knew. And and I think they still, without Cliff, I think they still could have done it. I think they could have managed it. I think they could have been the monster that they were, and not the monster that they ended up. I mean, and I mean that in two different things, but obviously but yeah and that we could do a whole episode on that it's just terrible fucking time that uh and, and that also I think had a heavy hand in with the rest of the thrash bands that came along I mean you know John Bush and Anthrax oh terrible it was horrible uh, yeah it's all fucking cut our hair off and try to look a little more 90's and yeah no didn't work didn't work. Just stay fucking metal. And then what the fuck happened after that? Then you start getting these fucking shitty fucking limp biscuit and, you know, biohazard. What the fuck? That whole fucking Woodstock thing in the 90s, whenever the hell that shit show was. What a piece of crap that was. Horrible. Then you start getting into the fucking... I know Pantera started in the 80s, and they were much better in the 80s. But, you know, the whole groove metal thing that just hit was, God damn, you know, now I'm getting negative again. That <laughs> just, wow, can you tell that I'm angry? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, I can, I can go on for hours about that. I don't know why. It gives me a headache. It makes me go blind. But I'll never make it right. <laughs> as much as I babble and scream and holler, I'll never make it right. It will be a shit show. Always will be. It will go down in history that way. (laughs) Anyway, I'm getting kind of long in the tooth again. We're over a half hour. We'll take a little break, and I'm going to come back, and we'll talk about uh, new stuff, and I'll figure out what the fuck we're going to do for next week's episode. All right, we'll be right back. Yeah, we're back sorry for the babbling if you're still here thank you <laughs> anyway here's some news i know today is may 1st and i brought it up before where Bandcamp is waiving their fees for today they are going to do it again two more times it looks like over the course of the summer uh, about a month away on june 5th and again on july 3rd and obviously it goes from 12 a.m to p.m. Pacific Standard Time on all three of the days today and those other two dates I just mentioned. Bandcamp, which typically collects 15% of sales from digital music and 10% from physical goods, initially experimented with a 24-hour fee-waiving window on March 20th. In the announcement of the three new windows, the company's CEO, Ethan Diamond, what a name, wrote that during the March 20th initiative, fans spent $4.3 million on the site, around 15 times the amount spent on a typical Friday. That's awesome. That's awesome. Keep that up. Let's do that shit again. What do you say? June 5th, July 3rd. We'll do it again. And more news on Night Demon. They've released another single. You can go to centurymedia.store, Night Demon, Kill the Pain. Yeah, They've, it looks like they've got the uh, seven-inch white vinyl left. Killer tune, go check it out. Uh, I've got, I believe we've got it up on our playlist. If not, we will soon. I believe it is streaming on Spotify. I'll go check that out and we'll get it up on our playlist for you. That's another great song, great band. Go check them out if you really, if you really dig the old school stuff. And Wolf Tooth is going to release Valhalla on May 22nd. Make sure you go grab that, the physical or the downloads. I uh, heard a couple songs so far. It's really fucking good. Check those guys out. And if you're a Haunt fan, man, great news. Looks like Trevor's releasing one track at a time. For the new one, uh, they just released Flashback. Um, keep your ears and eyes open. Go to their Facebook page, Haunt. Uh, Haunt the Nation. Um, check them out. Uh, if you haven't heard of Haunt, I I suggest you go and really... Listen, I know a lot of people think they're the new hipster band and all that, but no, Trevor's a, a really great guy, um, great musician. Their stuff is just top-notch, and he's doing a really cool thing. He's going to release each track one by one for this album. All their old stuff's up and available. Um, go check them out. Uh, they're really good, and uh, we will uh, see you next week. I think next week, since I touched on some power metal Tonight, which is my passion, we'll try to get into something positive where I'm not screaming and hollering and, and fucking disrespecting everything. So we'll get into some power and metal next week. I'll do a little bit of uh, some research, and we'll go back into the history, and we'll look at some of the bigger power metal bands, some of the underground power metal bands, and maybe... Even power metal bands of today, we'll check them out. So uh, come back next week, and we'll see you for Episode 5, Power Metal. This is J.D. Scott. This is the Power and the Glory Heavy Metal Podcast. Please join us next week. We'll see you. One more sip of whiskey, and we'll hit the road. What do you say? Ah, rock on, metalheads.